Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I want to preach to you today. I want to talk to you. And I'm a preacher, and so I can preach, but I want to, I'll probably break into, t- it's like, you know, a guy trying to, you know, speak one language. I want to actually just talk to you. And in fact, I'd only like to talk to you, so if everyone else could leave, except you. <laughs> I want it to be that personal. Um, I think I've got a challenge for you, and that's that's good amongst friends. Um, but, um, so, I've got some scriptures I want to read, and... The title of what I want to share is called The Peripheral Christian. Now, I want to just, you know, you, I want to establish the flow of this so you don't go the wrong way. When I say peripheral Christian, it would be easy to think I'm going to speak to lukewarm, um, nominal. No, not at all. I'm simply talking about, I'm a motorcycle rider. I don't have a car. Um, I have a truck. Um, because of the type of motorcycle I have, you need a truck. Uh, when you have a Harley Davidson, you have to have a truck <laughs> to go and pick it up <laughs> fairly often. And um, they say, well, hallelujah. <laughs> Davidson. <laughs> it's almost Christian. <laughs> but um, well, So if, if you know a motorcycle rider or a scooter rider or whatever, or a bicycle rider for that matter, um, you, they have people with lots of stories about people um, trying to cut them off and run them down because, um, and the, the driver always goes, oh, sorry, I didn't see you. And um, I always tap on the window and say, tell my wife at my funeral, mate. <laughs> but the problem is, is the way we were taught to drive. And I'm not sure if, if this, is, this is consistent here. Um, now, in the old days, I could understand it, but now with the electric mirrors, there is no excuse. When I get in almost anyone's car, certainly all of my daughter's cars, when I get in their car and sit in their seat and look in their wing mirrors, uh, invariably, you check it when you get in your car to go home today, almost without exception... Um, what you what the driver sees is the two back corners of the car they're sitting in. The only two fixed points that were in the same place before they left home. You knew where they were. And so this, this message is more about simply widening the mirrors to pick up who's in the lane beside us. We're also focused on looking at Jesus that we forget that there are sinners standing to the left and the right of him caught, attracted to his glow. Remember when he called Lazarus? He said, Lazarus, come forth. What's the next thing he said? You people untie him and let him go. And um, see, he does the miracle, but, but he leads us, um, leads them. They, they're drawn to the light, but we have got to simply get a little more peripheral to see who is standing beside us. I want to read three stories, and we're going to have to be fairly circumspect about it. I've been preaching over the weekend, of course, almost with abandonment to time. I understand that's not how Sunday morning works, so we're going to be a very strict hour and 20. Um, (coughs) Here's the first story. I'll just uh, ignore that laughter. In Mark 5, 22 to 34, it says this, Then a leader of the synagogue, um, let, let's, just, let's be uh, modern speak, um, the local pastor of the church, 
whose name was Jairus, arrived, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she, I love Matthew 9.21 in the New King James Version, where it says, she said within herself. Can I tell you, that's where faith, that's where faith begins. It starts with a little talk inside your heart. She said within herself, this, this version here um, says it different. For she said, thought to herself, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing in around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking. She had his mirrors tilted a little wider than everybody else. Some people touch, but they just don't feel. So it's not what you can contact. It's what you connect with that will give you the power to impact people for the kingdom. And Jesus did not contact people. He connected with people. That's peripheral. He kept on looking to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I was standing in line to get a a pie with mushy peas in our country some time ago. And uh, it's not till I I left, I left the counter and I was out standing at at my motorcycle um, eating it and um, waiting to go when it's only then that I saw who was standing behind me in the line. And um, this is no big deal. And I I hope I'm not, this doesn't come across as a bigger deal than I say, but it was a soldier in uniform. And I just, I just simply felt, because I'd always thought that if I was ever in a line with a soldier, I'd pay for their meal. But I was so focused on my pie and mushy peace that when the opportunity presented itself, I missed it. I've had the opportunity a couple of times since and I've not missed it. I've not been so dull or daft as the English say. You know, these, these, they were daft. You know, they could, they could see the contact, but they were not sensitive to the connection. But Jesus was. Um, let me read another story to you. Mark 10. Um, the setup is that Jesus has just left Capernaum. He's en route to Jerusalem in the south. And so they're passing through a, a town or a city called Jericho. And on the road out of town, the following story takes place. Mark 10. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Now, Bart means son of. Timaeus is his dad's name. So we actually don't know if his name's Nigel. Um, 
All right. He was not important enough in the scheme of things um, to have a name or a description. He's just, oh, the son of Jack. All right. And um, was sitting beside the road. When Jack's son heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, Jack. Many of the people yelled at him. Uh, Sorry, son of Jack. (laughs) His name was Daniel. (sighs) I'm thinking on the run. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Jack's son threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do? Jesus said. Friend, I know that we're thinking, well, because he heard him, he was yelling. But see, he didn't hear him. He listened to him. I hate to say this next bit, but I'm not going to make any friends with the men in the room. But um, Susie sometimes will be telling me something she figures to be fairly important. Why she chooses that in the last 10 minutes of the football game. (laughs) With the regularity of a Swiss watch. I will never understand. But somewhere in it, she'll say, you're not listening. And to her utter annoyance, I can repeat back every single word she said with all the sighing and the humping. But ladies, you're still not happy, eh? Because you didn't actually say you didn't hear me. You said you're not listening. Because it's different. Remember this? this? This is me at home with my kids. Dad! 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 Alan! <laughs> Still got a bit of the NRG uh, anointing. Uh, get back to Sunday morning. Oh, God. No, but this is my kids, seriously. As soon as you remember this, do you know where I'm going this? Dad! Dad, 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 Steve. (laughs) See, I'm immune to the word Dad. That always costs money. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, I'm a father. Look in the dictionary for the definition. Man with photos in his wallet where his money used to be. (laughs) You hear me? It's like, I just don't hear that word. Now, it's, it's scientifically impossible for me not to have, have, you know, received the sound. But I didn't listen. Steve, oh, that could be a coffee, coffee opportunity, you know. <laughs> That's a different word. And so that was the joke around our family. How come you don't respond to Dad? I said, you'll know one day, mate. <laughs> yeah. Let me read you one more story and then we'll make some points. Is that okay? Mark 3. In this account, by the way, Jesus is just a church. It could be a day like today. And can I just note, wherever you, wherever you find Jesus in the Bible on the Sabbath, he goes to church. 
that's a good recipe for raising your kids, by the way, but that's another day. Mark 3, 3 to 6. Jesus went to church. I love the next word. Hey, what's the next word? Again. <laughs> he was regular. <laughs> yeah. And noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. This is, I, I, this is really wish this wasn't here for our lesson, but it's the history of it. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, then they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. What a bunch of nits. <laughs> Jesus said to the man with the deformed, so he, he's understanding that environment. He can feel it. There's tension. Jesus said to the man who with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and said, does the law permit to do good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they would not answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. Jesus will never ask you to draw back if you've got a deformity. Whether to, He'll always be talking to your future. It's just beautiful. That's not the sermon, but it's a good thought. Wow, Chaz had already thought of it, but. <laughs> so the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with supporters and of Herod to see how they might kill him. Now, here's, here's just a couple of thoughts. Every single person we just read about that Jesus you will agree with me, impacted. And we've got a blind man can now see. We've got a, you know, a lady that's now, after 12 years, of not just, a, not just a physical condition, but a bank drain, has been immediately healed. And you've got a fellow here, you know, that was faithful enough to come to church with his predicament. You know, listen, don't, the church is the best place to have your worst day. I'm here to tell you that. Um, my dad left my mum when I was 13 years of age, and there were 11 children still at home. She just decided, I'm going to plant the church. That's where I'm going to be. And of five sons she's got, they all follow Christ. And um, that's not socially the norm. Um, the church is the best place to have your worst day. Just keep coming. Amen. But this is what I want to say to you on this. Um, two, two things. Number one, the person that is impacted is not the reason he was there. You understand? It was, it, he was going to Jairus' house. This lady was peripheral to what the primary focus was. He was on his way to the next town for the crusade. And Bartimaeus was on the roadside on the way out. He wasn't the reason he was walking that way. He was going to, he might have been the speaker, I don't know, or he's just coming to worship with everybody else. But he, there's, no, there's no thought or leading that this is what he was doing. And here's another thought that I, I think is important um, in our day and age. We have a day and age where, where I think we've crossed the hump of friendship evangelism. And, and not that we should ever discard that but what I mean is that we can't impact anyone we haven't built an eight-week relationship up with what I'm simply saying to you he doesn't know any of these people 
And we still don't know who they are. You understand what I'm saying? It's like we, I, I just feel there's something that Holy Spirit wants us to say and wants us to do and wants us to be in this generation, in our lives, for impacting the kingdom, that you don't have to know them. All right, and, and it's not like, well, you know, I, but, I'm, but I'm going to work. Who cares? We think these things are peripheral to Jesus, but I don't. I just think his mirrors are wider. Oh, I didn't see you. Is that a justification for running over the bicyclist? Oh, could you have had the mirrors a little? Oh, Jesus, when were you thirsty? When were you hungry? When were you naked? We didn't even see. We were in our lane. We were achieving our destiny. Widen the mirrors, mate. I got a photo of a young lady I'd like to introduce you to. Put your hand up if you know who she is. You won't be sentenced for not knowing who she is because 8 million people in London didn't know who she was. She sat in her flat for two years dead. And no one missed her. She was 38 years old. Had a, a list of friends. She'd had dinner with Stevie Wonder. She'd shaken hands with Nelson Mandela. She worked for Ernst and Young. If she got caught in a bad relationship, it would seem, and so she moved around. She, ha- she has four living sisters. How can you have four living sisters and be dead in your flat for two years? The TV was still on. Yeah, you want to find out what brand that was? That's good. Sorry, 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 spoil the moment. Now, to defend her sisters, there were letters piled up behind the door and opened. Some of them were from her sisters. But two years and two months, she had a dad. How do you fall through the cracks? They made a movie out of her, and all of her friends talk about what a live wire she was and lovely girl she was and And yet we missed her. We didn't see her. And if you go go to Google, you'll find there's a list of people just like one lady I found on the internet with 42 years in her flat. 42 years. With a cup of tea on the coffee table. We can't afford to miss people. Jesus, it seemed impacted people. We think these people are peripheral. It was just an accident the woman touched him. He was going to Jairus. I actually don't think it was an accident. I just think he lived with the mirrors wider. And I think, Pastor, you remember, you, you'll remember, I don't know who first said this, I don't know if it was secular or sacred, but, but there was this big thing that I think has haunted a lot of us pastors. It's just saying, just build it and they'll come. Well, they didn't. You built it, you bought it, and but I'm not sure if that was from an era when they didn't have fireworks on the beach, mate, you know, and didn't have cars that could get to the big city in an hour. Can I tell you, the new word is build it, now go get them. 
you built it. Now get out there and find them and bring them in. I feel Holy Spirit's talking to us today. I feel this is our next move. So let me just wrap it up in the next 35 minutes this way. It's a couple of simple thoughts. Number one, you've got to realize why you're here. Do you get the feeling Jesus always knew why he was here? You know, for this cause I have come, he said. You know, Peter said, oh, no, he said, get behind me, Satan. You are frustrating the plan of God. He just knew I was here. Uh, Pastor, we, had, we have um, a car park in our church, and, um, and, so, and the sun shines a lot uh, as well. And so, but we have people out in the car park to direct people. Now, of course, but we asked a guy in our church if he'd, if he'd help. He's a practical guy. And he said to my associate, Leanne, he said, Leanne, they're not idiots. They know how to park their car. <laughs> hey, Bill, widen your mirrors, mate. It's not about parking cars. It's about helping single mums out with their push chairs. Hello? I was walking in the city of Adelaide, the city of a million people in Australia. You know when you walk in the city, you know, you, there's all people walking with you? So you tend to just subconsciously, you pick a pace that's not the same as anyone else. <laughs> oh, that gets awkward. Well, I wasn't from that city, so I obviously got the pace wrong. So I'm walking with this fellow. So I didn't know what else to do, so I said, G'day, mate. <laughs> and he said, Hello. I said, so you're not from around here? Because everyone in Australia says, g'day, mate. And uh, not, hello. I think the fact that he was black and from Bangladesh also gave it away. <laughs> that also was sort of... Uh, I said, you're not from around here? He said, no, I'm from Bangladesh. I said, oh, great, mate. How long have you been here? He said, oh, I got here yesterday. And uh, I said, oh, cool. And bang, I'm at my hotel. I'm not, I'm not walking the street to talk to this jackass. I'm coming back from lunch to go to my hotel because I've got to preach tonight. Why else would I be in Adelaide? But because the mirrors are slightly wider, I said, do you go to church, mate? Say, oh, well, you, you, but you didn't even build a friendship. Well, I might never see him again. He said, oh, no, I'm a Hindu. I said, oh, mate, everyone in Adelaide goes to church. Well, they do. Some go to the beer church. Some go to the football church. Church means gathering of people. Hey. I don't know if he understands the English language, but I said, everyone goes. And so he looked at me quizzically, and I'm at my hotel. That's it. I said, I tell you, here's the deal. I'm staying here, so I've got to go. But if you're in the lobby at 6 p.m., you can come with me tonight. Well, he was there. He was there in the lobby. So I, well, so I go down to pick up the car, and on the way down, I ring the pastor. I said, I said Josh, uh, Josh Greenwood. I said, hey, Josh, um, I'm on my way. Three things. Number one, I'm bringing a mate. Number two, he's not my boyfriend. <laughs> number three, I've actually never met him before. And number four, bonus question, I don't think he's a Christian. So if I bring him up to the prayer meeting, easy on the yabba dabba.
Well, they were. They didn't go easy on the Abu Dhabi. They were into it. Palat, Palash is standing in there. Serious, like a cat in a takeaway shop. It's just they are going flat out. Well, the meeting starts. He's sitting on the front row. Look, if you ever bring someone to church, front row, not back row. Getting a friend to church like a solar eclipse. Maximise it. All right. Front row. Front row is different to back row. Even in a building this size, front row is different. So Palas is in the front row. This is what he does. He doesn't go. He just goes. So what are the people on the front row doing? So Palas the Hindu. thinking, don't turn around, don't turn around, it stops after the second row. <laughs> and then you that moment where they say, now let's worship. I think, what the hell have we been doing? <laughs> Seriously, what have we been doing till now? So there's a flash. It's just Awesome. I tell you, he wouldn't have done that in the back row, by the way, even in a church like this. Don't. Maximise the opportunity when they come. So I give the altar, I get up and I say, folk, uh, I brought a friend tonight. And I told him, I've never met him before. I told him, I said, his name's Plash, stand up. Would you give Plash a great hand? There's about 1,500 people there. And so they all clap and I say, Plash is actually Hindu, but it's great to have you with us. And... Uh, <laughs> End of the service, put his hand up, received Christ, came out for dinner with me and the pastor. <laughs> I was telling my church, I told my church, just like I just told you, and at the end of it, because this was sort of, you know, this was just God helping me widen my mirrors. I thought it was an accident. But these people, are, they're in, you know, it's an, oh, it's an accident when you don't see them and you hit them. But if you widen your mirrors now, it's not an accident. I was telling my church and I said, you know what? They clapped, you know, you didn't, but they did. <laughs> they clapped when they, I said he put his hand up. And I said this to him. I said, you know what? I felt like an evangelist. But I so clearly felt Holy Spirit, so don't say that. And I knew it was the wrong thing to say. I said, sorry. I felt like a Christian. I genuinely felt like a Christian. We're the ones that don't drive with the mirrors on the two fixed points. I got the father, got the son. That's it. It's all I need. No, you don't, mate. No, you need to widen the mirrors and see that there's people who need to come to Christ. I've blown my time, but we better stop. We better stop. Can I just read a text from our next door neighbor? Your next door neighbor's name's Tabitha. Andy, make me look good. (laughs) I'm going to call her Tabitha. That's not her name. She's 30-something, got a couple of kids. Doesn't live with her husband. She told us that. One morning I prayed. 
Lord, I hadn't, we hadn't seen it for a while. We, we have these things in Australia. We have, like, they're called good neighbour fences. Yeah, they're six foot and solid, so you can't see your neighbour. That's, that's how you stay good neighbours. Don't talk to them. That's, that's, what did I say? In the, I got in, so I'm the guy that gets in the lift, and I'm shy. That's the truth. But I'm the guy that gets in the lift and doesn't turn around. That's off-putting for people. Come on. You know, you're, this is how you're supposed to get in the lift. But I don't do that. I get in the lift like, how are we all doing? <laughs> what, did I, what did I say this morning? <laughs> There's four people in the lift. I said, have you heard about this lift? And they all look at me and say, See, look, here's the deal. When you talk to perfect strangers, you actually allow them to become a human. See, they've all got the white plugs in. I saw a guy get in the lift not long ago. I'm in the lift. He got in the lift. Doors open. He goes. He stands in the corner. I said, you naughty boy. <laughs> what? So I'm just looking. I'm, there's four people in the lift this morning at the hotel when we came down to the car to come to church. I said, have you heard about this lift? And they all look at me like, a man's talking in the lift. Like to us. That's not the social rule. It's even worse in a toilet hallway. No one wants to talk to you in And don't go like that. How are you? That don't work. What happened last night at the shopping centre? I walked out of a restaurant at the shopping centre last night and a bloke said, G'day, mate. He goes... He just wasn't sure whether I was hostile. And he goes, Do I know you? I said, No, I'm from Australia. He goes, just being friendly, he says. How are you, mate? It's, I'm true, eh? See, if you open the mirrors slightly, you give it. You just allow them to be human. She wasn't in the mirrors, mate. She's a vivacious young lady. It was an accident because no one saw her. But it widened the mirrors. I said to the people in the lift this morning, have you heard about this lift? And they all say, no, I said, apparently it's free to get in. <laughs> the hotel have asked me to collect the 25 pounds <laughs> per person on exit. <laughs> they, they all laugh. <laughs> Nervously they laugh. <laughs> oh, hold on. So then I said, I see no one reaching for their wallets. (laughs) More nervous laughter. I said, okay, this one's complimentary. But next time. And everyone has a laugh. And everyone's a human. We are called ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20. You know what an ambassador is? It's someone from somewhere else with a different set of values. But they're here. They are representing that somewhere else in a foreign place. So we don't take on the culture of the foreign place. We are representing the other place. And where we come from, 
the mirrors are wider. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.